Green Teacher's main office is located on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga peoples. This territory is covered by the Williams Treaty. Many of us are suffering from this collision from the analog world and the digital world. While the kids are getting tech savvy, perhaps they're not finding that balance with a nature connection. Getting them at least once an hour off their screens in some way to connect with the body and the breath. Testing, testing. Hey, I'm Ian. And I'm Sophia. And welcome to Talking with Green Teachers. This is the Environmental Education Podcast, where we discuss recent developments, big ideas, and creative approaches to teaching green. In this episode... They're seeing kids with tech neck at the age of seven. Yeah. Repetition strain injuries in the hands. So as well as doing a mindfulness exercise with the kids and doing the 20-20-20, do a little limbering. You don't have to do a full Monty yoga session, but even wiggling their hands, their thumbs and fingers, little rotation, relaxation of the neck. And Waterfalls are some of nature's most astounding gifts. Digital technology is a gift of human ingenuity, and it has cascaded over the modern world like a waterfall, finding its way into nearly every corner of our lives. And its benefits are many, sometimes bordering on miraculous. Yet, the pace of change can be overwhelming, especially in many educational settings. Dr. Kerry Crofton of Less Green, More Green and the Global Health Alliance works with an international team of environmental health experts to nurture the physical and mental well-being of children, youth and families in this digital age. Kerry joined Ian to discuss the challenges of balancing digital time and outdoor time, how educators might address digital overload and excessive screen time, and the role mindfulness can play in learning settings. Our listeners are to varying degrees familiar with the benefits of green time and the downsides of excessive screen time. What can you tell us about some recent research that is perhaps less well-known? There's lots of research on both of these. Maybe let's start with the positive one. I, um, I always like to start on a positive note. <laughs> yes. Because any of us uh, working in the field of environmental education or in the classroom, outside the classroom, are facing so many challenges these days. Yes. I used to be a teacher. I'm, I'm still a, an educator. So first, my, uh, my heart and my empathy goes out to all the educators, whether you're doing nature connection programs or trying to do that in regular classrooms. I really empathize and support you and so value what you're doing. So I'd like to offer some of the research and then also some suggestions of how we can deal with the stress and burnout 
and uh, overwhelm of all of this. As you mentioned, there's been a lot of uh, evidence, and I really like some of the evidence that goes to the forest bathing, the Shinran Yoku. Yes. And uh, from University of Tokyo and the various uh, researchers there. And uh, wonderful evidence that being in the forest, and then, of course, even seeing pictures of the forest or uh, breathing some of the oils that come from the trees. The phytoncides. Yes, exactly. Have been shown to have so many benefits. So you're familiar with some of those, Ian. Somewhat. I'm certainly not an expert, but I've tried to educate myself a bit more about forest bathing and the benefits of it. And I certainly spend a lot of time in the forest in all seasons. So there's University of Tokyo has been doing them. There's also studies from Europe and and really around the world now. And uh, all of them are showing very similar results. And that is reduced cortisol, reduced stress levels. So to boost our physical and our mental well-being. And there was a, one study that's from quite a long time ago, 2005, I guess. These days, that's a long time ago. Yeah, coming and, up to uh, 20 years. So said 20 minutes a day shows these benefits. Other studies have said an hour a day. And then also some studies have said it really depends on the person. It's not sort of one size fits all. Right. So our recommendation based on all of this research is anytime you can get outside and get the kids outside is truly valuable. And when you can't get outside, um, having greenery in your classroom or in your office, uh, windows, being able to look out are all beneficial. There's been a lot of focus about attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. Have you come across any studies that specifically focus on that in relation to outdoor time? Absolutely. And uh, this is where the whole mindfulness movement is um, really been beneficial. There was one study, although I've heard it, some people don't particularly think that this was uh, credible evidence, but in any case, it uh, makes a good story that they did the testing of the attention span of a goldfish. And the attention span of the goldfish was nine seconds. And then they did study of the attention span of many students. Do you want to hazard a gas, Ian? Nine seconds? <laughs> Eight seconds. Oh. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. There is a real concern about the uh, focus. And, you know, it used to be pretty clear the kids who had attention deficit and the kids that didn't. Oh, yeah. And now um, so many of the teachers that I work with report that it's really hard to tell which ones have been you know, specifically diagnosed because the whole world is speeding up and the digital classroom is really adding to that. So there are a lot of studies now from Harvard and Yale and Stanford, so many universities doing research on the benefits of mindfulness meditation and also when you combine that in a forest nature environment, those benefits are enhanced. And you do a lot of this work in person primarily. We do. And I have to say the research I find most interesting is ours. Well, let's hear more about it. 
We have uh, developed, uh, as you know, this less green, more green program. And uh, we have been uh, training Indigenous and non-Indigenous youth to be nature guides and to deliver this program. So we're doing this research in connection with an Indigenous foundation here in Nova Scotia and also with Dalhousie University. So much as we're doing with your green teacher and take me outside care for the earth's caregivers program for this research study with the indigenous and non-indigenous youth we've done a pre-program survey and asking them about their tech habits the nature time how well they sleep stress levels etc so we're just compiling that data now um, dalhousie is working on that but from the preliminary findings it's really encouraging. Every one of them reported benefits to varying degrees. And uh, so we, the anecdotal evidence I like when they say, we now go for walks without our phones. Nice. So this is progress. It is. Talking with Green Teachers is produced by Green Teacher, a registered charity in Canada that has been enhancing environmental education since 1986. By taking out a subscription, you can join our global network of passionate environmental educators, receive each issue of our quarterly magazine, and gain exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine-back issues. All proceeds go back into the organization to support our vision of helping each successive generation of young learners become more environmentally literate than the last. To learn more, visit greenteacher.com. As one approaches the base of a towering waterfall, the growing sound builds in strength until it commands all of our attention. Let's talk about the digital tech in the classroom. You alluded to it just a few moments ago. And certainly digital tech has increasingly found its way into classrooms and other learning settings. And we're not in any way anti-tech. I mean, in one of the articles that you wrote for us earlier this year, you made that very clear. You said this isn't a an us versus them sort of thing. It isn't about completely eliminating digital tech. It's about just being more mindful about it, of how we use it, and maybe using more restraint at certain times. Do you think it's fair to say that we maybe need to take a bit of a step back and be a bit more mindful of how we integrate digital tech into learning and just how sort of automatically I think so many people kind of say yes to the newest gadget well yes I I do feel we need to and I and I empathize as I said before um, I've worked with many teachers I used to be a teacher but when I was teaching that was long before Google Classroom <laughs> and uh, I've been doing programs with teachers pro D days on stress in the classroom for gosh, 40-something years, and I have seen the teachers' stress levels increase, the levels of burnout, medical leave, and I can't blame it all on the digitization of the classroom, but I really do feel that we have, many of us are suffering from this collision <laughs> from the analog world and the digital world. Yeah. So thank you for saying that at the beginning of this uh, question, Ian, because it is about balance. We're enjoying tech right now as we speak. Oh, We've reached sure. people 
all over the world with our webinars. I get to do a lot of teaching and, and I never have to leave the comfort and safety of my own home. So tech, social media, all of them have benefits. But it is really increasingly worrying and saddening to me to see the loss of the analog world. And by analog, I mean a lot of different things, more experiential, hands-on, nature connection, outdoor, physical activity, human connection and interaction, the right brain, the creative mode. You know, for example, if you put a traditional analog clock on the wall of a classroom, which by the way, I highly recommend, a lot of kids look at that and it could be a picture on the wall. Hmm. Many have lost the ability to read an analog clock. So it's a struggle because we need kids who can write longhand. We need kids that can connect with the slower paced, more human interaction, more connection with the earth, more mindful and attentive in the moment. So yes, kids need to be tech savvy, but in my point of view, that doesn't mean teaching young kids how to code. Right. Now, I mean, a cynic might say, or not necessarily a cynic, that, that's probably unfair, but maybe I'll ask you, have you ever had somebody say, you know, this sounds great, but this is the way the world is moving and we don't want young people to fall behind? Because I've certainly heard that. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it comes from a good faith discussion. I mean, there, there's always contrarians out there, but I, I've also heard people just very genuinely say, I mean, I, I really agree with everything to do with living a more analog life, but if the world is going digital, how do we not go digital in teaching? And I think that's a reasonable response. Have you ever had that? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. And uh, I empathize with that. There's so much that I want to say here, Ian, because I have um, really felt, if I can say, felt the pain of many of the teachers saying to me, well, you know, Dr. Croft, and all the things you say are all very good. And yes, wouldn't we love it if our classrooms were like that? But we have the school board to deal with. We have the tech policy from the Department of Education. We have the parents, other more tech-prone teachers. And then, of course, we have all the kids who love this stuff. Yeah. So it's really hard for a teacher who feels the need for this balance, and is concerned that while the kids are getting tech savvy, perhaps they're not finding that balance with a nature connection and being more mindful, having a better attention span, and all the benefits that we know from mindfulness and, and nature time. And maybe it's just about reframing the narrative. I mean, the term tech savvy, I think probably most people think of it as mastery over technological devices, but maybe part of tech savvy has to also be restraint. Mm -hmm. And not being hooked on too much tech. You know, I used to work in um, the field of addiction counseling, and moderation is much more challenging than deprivation. Yeah. So why I bring that up is, you know, we need a certain amount of technology in the classroom these days. I get that. For the younger students, Waldorf and Montessori, the, the low-tech schools, 
have some real benefits. The teachers there are not dealing with so many of these conflicts and struggles that teachers are in other schools. I went to a Montessori school for the first seven or eight years of my life. So I have a definite connection and, and feel very supportive of schools, educators, parents, school boards, who really put an emphasis on that balance that, yes, we're going to give the kids, depending on the age, instructions and experience electronically, but we must find that balance and we must balance it with outdoor active time. It always seems to come down to balance, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's not easy. As I said, you know, if you, you've got all these forces and then there's the force of the culture and um, there's a huge industry influence of the virtual classroom is really big, big business. So oh, yeah. I'm, I speak to all the teachers out there who are trying to support their students and keep themselves going, keep their own flame alive. It's not easy, but feel good about every change that you make and not guilty about, it's just, it can be so overwhelming. Yeah. Hey, it's Ian. I'm just letting you know that a subscription to Green Teacher also includes access to our massive and fast-growing archive of 500-plus ready-to-use activities, lesson plans, and articles. The recording of each new webinar goes into the archive, too, and there are 125 of those and counting. To save you time, everything is organized by topic and age group. Learn more by visiting greenteacher.com slash subscribe. We also have special rates available for bulk orders from your school, board, district, faculty of ed, or organization. As always, all proceeds go back into the nonprofit. At the base of the waterfall, mist gathers, sometimes painting an ephemeral rainbow that flutters in and out of our sight, like the twinkling of a star. Well, one of our sort of unwritten rules with this podcast is we only talk about problems if we also talk about solutions. And this is a guiding principle in your work as well. And you've developed with your team the school tech plan, which is a way for educators to, I think, find that balance in the learning setting. So I'll, I'll let you unpack that for us. Well, part of our school tech plan is different for different schools, again, depending on different ages. And part of what we are focusing on is not only when we use the devices, but how we use the devices. Mm. I didn't go through it here, but there's a lot of resources if people want to look and see what some of the concerns are about Wi-Fi in schools, for example. Yeah. And there was an interesting study that was done in Eastern Europe. They had one school with Wi-Fi throughout and one without. And they haven't reached their conclusions, but midway in the study, they say, there is no good scientific evidence to support having Wi-Fi in schools. And there is a lot of evidence evolving that there's some real benefits in not having the Wi-Fi. So that's really not easy to control in your own classroom. I get that. But if you have the ability to turn off the router, just turn it on when you need it, and also be very mindful of uh, what we call the safer tech solutions. When devices are set up, 
wirelessly. There is some radiation coming from the device as well as connecting with the radiation that comes from the nearest router. And so when you can, put all devices in airplane mode. There's a lot of activities and assignments and things that we can do electronically that we don't need the internet for. Also in terms of phones and part of our tech plan, again, when we do this, we really work with the schools and tailor it to what their needs and quite honestly, what their awareness levels are. Right. Um, as you as you know, some uh, schools pride themselves in how high tech they are. So it's really helpful to have the kids put the devices in the basket. A lot of teachers tell us, well, when the kids come in, I have them put all their phones on my desk and they stay there for the class. Yeah. Well, that doesn't work so well now when they're doing so much of their work electronically. Uh -huh. So part of the school tech plan also includes letting kids know about safer ways to use those devices. So if it's a mobile cell phone, not to hold it right against the head. Even the uh, instructions that come with the cell phones say not to hold. I think it's, I can't remember how far millimeters away from your head. So that is part of what we like to uh, explain to them. And also we have some testing kits, testing meter, which will show people how far away from the phone the radiation emits or indeed in the classroom, how far you are away from the router. So awareness is really part of that. So the school tech plan is based on this less green, more green. So that's certainly part of it. Setting guidelines for time on your device and time outdoors. And also for the balance to make sure that you've got some mindfulness training component as part of your classroom hour or day. And that might be the kids focusing on their breath, just sitting quietly. Mindfulness practice for kids is really quite a wonderful, there's a lot of evidence that it's really helpful. It's a challenge because for some kids, whether they have ADHD or whether they're on the spectrum, it's going to be more challenging for some. So maybe it isn't necessarily sitting still. It might be like a moving Qigong meditation. Right. You might do yoga with different animals, but getting them at least once an hour off their screens in some way to connect with the body and the breath. Do outdoor sit spots fit into that? Absolutely. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. I mean, they're... I think there's a lot more awareness about the value of those now, even just anecdotally, but you mm -hmm. alluded to the research as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do indoor sit spots, although some of my environmental educators challenge me on this. It's not really <laughs> a sit spot. It's indoors. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, again, there's also part of the tech plan, and we've done this in our webinar series with you. Uh, one technique is called 20-20-20. Yes. And this is something certainly you can teach with the kids, and they have some fun with it. What we often suggest is let somebody in the class be the timer. 
So they're going to let everybody know, hey, it's 20 minutes. So what this means is every 20 minutes, look away from the screen at least 20 feet off in the distance for 20 seconds. There are so many concerns with excessive screen time. And one of them is the eyes, the increase in childhood myopia, short-sightedness, and also with the neck. They're seeing kids with tech neck at the age of seven. Yeah. Repetition strain injuries in the hands. So as well as doing a mindfulness exercise with the kids and doing the 20-20-20, do a little limbering. You don't have to do a full Monty yoga session, but even wiggling their hands, their thumbs and fingers, little rotation, relaxation of the neck. And with the sit spot or the mindfulness, get the kids working with belly breathing. Yeah, deep breathing, the the real, you know, what singer's breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did, um, I don't think my daughter's ever going to listen to this, so I could tell you the story, but <laughs> when we did a class when she was little, and uh, it was wonderful, the kids were quite young, and so we did the same thing. We had them acting as the different animals, and, you know, the tiger roared, and, and then we said, okay, now all the animals go asleep. So they all curled down. They have to be quiet and go to sleep. So that was great. Everybody connected with that. So then we said, okay, now let's everybody find a cushion and find a comfortable spot to sit on. And so they do that. And I've got a gong. So I'm ringing the gong and we're going to sit for three minutes. So after about two minutes, my daughter, who's in the front row, goes, psst, mother ring the bell. (laughs) So often in a meditation session, if you're going on for a long time, some of the people there feel like saying to the timer, ring the bell. So again, as I said, feel good about every one of these steps that you do and really do your best not to feel overwhelmed and guilty because it's truly a challenge You know, this school tech plan really only works fully if the school board's on board. Good luck with that. I've talked to a lot of school boards, and and believe me, I know they're all good people with good intentions, but they don't always share our views on all of this. And parents, you know, are now demanding so much of the homework is electronic. Mm -hmm. Um, So do what you can and feel good about what you do. Hi there. You might recognize my voice from such podcasts as the one you're listening to right now. Speaking of podcasts, Green Teacher is involved in another one. It's called Earthy Chats. And you know what? How about I let my co-host, Jade Harvey Barrel, tell you the rest? Take it away, Jade. Thanks, Ian. Hello, all. Indeed, we'd love for you to join us for Earthy Chats, our new podcast where we've come together to spend time picking the brains of the brightest and best in environmental education. Like busy bees, we'll be cross-pollinating ideas across our range of interests and knowledge bases to give you the inside scoop on what's new, who's doing it, and how you can do it too. All of the experts featured on the show have resources available Canada-wide in the Outdoor Learning Store. That's Canada's non-profit outdoor resource store. You can check out the range of educator and student resources available at www.outdoor.com. 
www.learningstore.ca. So whether you're a teacher, educator, parent, or just a general nature geek, there'll be something for you to sink your teeth into. Did I cover everything there, Ian? Definitely. Thanks, Jade. So yeah, Earthy Chats. Check it out on your favorite podcast app. The pooling water beneath the mist creates ripples and ever-changing channels, pulling our gaze in multiple directions at once. Well, let's finish up with a success story. I know you've got a number of success stories of educators you've worked with who've really had breakthroughs in terms of finding that balance between screen time and green time. So, yeah, love to hear at least one. One teacher wrote back to us and said, I'm going to kind of reiterate because uh, she was really feeling overwhelmed and she was an environmental educator. She had been to a Montessori school when she was a kid, had grown up just loving nature and loved kids and wanted so much to teach. And she said, when I started teaching, (laughs) she said, I look back on it now. I was so naive. I had all these glorious ideas of how I was going to enlighten these children and enrich their lives. And And she said, you know, recently, um, until I did your program, it was the challenge just getting through the day. Oh, you hear that all the time. I wasn't sleeping well. Yeah. And my own kids were suffering. And so I'm really grateful for your less green, more green mindful tech program. Um, We didn't talk about it here, but sleep is really such a crucial part of this. And uh, so we encourage people, and this is what um, this teacher did. She said, I'm turning off my Wi-Fi at night, and I'm sleeping so much better. Mm. I got back my landline, you know, from our Earth for the Caregivers program. I'm always going on about getting back your landline. Um, She said, I did get back the landline. It only cost me another $20 a month, and I'm training my friends to call me on it. I did borrow that meter and I'm finding places. Um, yes, the neighbor's Wi-Fi still comes over to our place, but <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's a lot better when we turn ours off. So I'm sleeping better. My stress is better. And it's still a real challenge in the classroom. But I've used some of those techniques that you've talked about. We're trying to get the we at least once um, a day. And I try once in a class for some quiet time. And I give different kids different jobs. One's in charge of the 20-20-20. One's in charge of, you know, when people are getting out of control. And they can monitor each other. So it was really encouraging to us to hear. Because, you know, when you teach all this stuff, you just never know how much is going to land with somebody. We're all so overwhelmed with so much information. So we really uh, love to hear from students and teachers that this has made a difference in the classroom. Yeah, it's so great to hear. And, you know, I've heard that anecdote in terms of at the beginning of a teaching career thinking, oh, I'm going to enlighten the students and I have all these ideas. And then the reality, certain realities in the classroom set in and it is just getting through the day. And I hear that again and again and again. And I've experienced it. I think any anybody who has taught in a classroom in any kind of classroom setting has experienced that. And yeah, it is a struggle. Well, you know, you remember the the serenity prayer. And oh, of course. I don't know if we need to translate it, but it's really a good 
survival mechanism. <laughs> so there you are, your uh, analog heart in a digital classroom, and you want to find that kind of balance. Pick your battles. Don't mm. beat your head against the <laughs> iron wall trying to change the whole system. Just really bring in the positive things that really work and really help feel good about them. I'd like to share before we go, if we can, Ian, some resources if oh, people definitely. wanted to follow up and get more information. So our program's website is lessgreenmoregreen.org. Yeah, and we'll share that in the show notes as well. Well, any final advice before we sign off? Keep breathing. Keep breathing. <laughs> and 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 keep keep your own fuel tank <laughs> charged. It's not selfish. It's generous because when you burn out, you're not there for your students. You're not there for your own family. You're not there for yourself. So please, please take time each day, me time, whatever you want to call it. And if you can do it screen free and outdoors and we also, when we do any of our nature programs, except the leader who keeps one for emergencies, everybody leaves their phone in the car, in the classroom, at home. I know there's lots of wonderful nature apps, but we'd rather have the kids really get off the screen and really connect with the natural world. So when you're taking this healing, regenerating time for yourself, you probably teach a lot of sit-spot practice. Yeah. But it's also really good to do it ourselves. Yes, take your own advice. A good note to end <laughs> off on. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Carrie Crofton, for joining us today. Thank you, Ian, and thanks for all the wonderful work that Green Teacher does. And uh, the teachers are so fortunate to be part of your network. Yeah, and we certainly look forward to parts three and four of the webinar series, Caring for Our Earth's Caregivers. For as awe-inspiring as a pounding waterfall can be, each of us eventually reaches a point when it's time to move farther downstream to where the current changes from a sprint to a crawl. By allowing our minds to do the same, we can recalibrate for the next stage of the journey and be ready for whatever comes next. Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Vargasnesi. Ian is the show's writer and editor. Logo design is by Devin Terrien. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to get instant access to each new episode. If you really like the show, give us a rating too. We can also be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We'll chat again soon. Here's part of the song. Now, I don't have the backup in the slow funk, so I'm going to read this. Okay. It'll be like a poem. <laughs> right. This is a poem. Why is life so edgy and empty when your digital entertainment never ends? Why is the night so long and lonely when you've got 500 friends? 
The raucous crowd is now stamping their feet and joyfully belting out the chorus. All right. We are living, breathing humans who long to be seen, long to be connected, heart to heart, not on a screen. Isolated inside children, families gone astray, sadly disconnected, forgotten how to play. This age of digital distraction keeps you tech addicted and brings no satisfaction. Now singing to the people that started this digital detox camp. At the no tech camp you founded, we are connected. We are grounded, truly happy just to be here in the Redwoods playing screen free. Woohoo! Thank you for sharing it was fun. that. It was that fun. is a lot of fun.